We are doing it live on a Tuesday. Welcome to the Dubcast presented by Safe Flight Auto Glass. Keep the drive going with Safe Flight. I am Bo Bishop. Johnny Ginter is on the other end. We have a game to talk about. We got of Oklahoma to talk about. We have a big guest to talk about. My friends, before we get to any of that, though, before we can look forward, my friend, we have to look back. And that means a look at an Indiana game on a Thursday night that, to me, my good friend, Mr. Ginter, struck, struck me as a game where everybody was just kind of feeling each other out. And then in the second half, Ohio State kind of showed what it was about. It was an awkward way to start a season on a Thursday night. It was an awkward way to start with a Big Ten opponent. It was awkward for Ohio State to start on the road. I think all those things kind of surfaced during the point course of the first half. And then as the second half got going, you kind of got to see what Ohio State was and confidence started to come in the secondary with the young receivers and so forth. Um, but this was, a, this was just kind of a weird Thursday night start, and it wasn't – Nobody was at full throttle. It reminded me, it wasn't the magnitude, but it reminded me when um, college football launched like a Monday night way long time ago, 10, 15 years ago, they launched their first like Monday night games and they put Florida State Miami in the opener to sell it first. If you remember this, this was probably like 2004 or five, something like that. They put right. Florida State against Miami on the Monday night. And the anticipation was that you were going to get the Canes and the Knowles, which was one of the great rivalry games of the 90s. And what you got was two teams that just were not anywhere close to where they would be by the end. Now, neither of the programs were what they used to be at that point. But still, even for even even beleaguered Seminoles and Canes, it was even below that. Just because when you play the opener, you're just not ready to go. And so I think that's kind of what happened for Ohio State on Thursday night. You get out of there, you cover the spread, so forth, so on. Um, but it wasn't as impressive as I think some people were hoping it would be. Yeah, I mean, I think people wanted – you know the Buckeyes come out like gangbusters and, and score a trillion points and not allow Indiana to score any and I think <laughs> if you look at my prediction I think I almost nailed how many Ohio State scored I, I definitely did not nail how many Indiana was going to score and I'm not super worried about the offense in that regard I mean yeah. I, you, you want to see a more consistent performance but J.K. Dobbins was great I'm not quite as high on his performance as I think maybe some other people might be, but I still think obviously he had an incredible game. Uh, I think the wide receivers, you know, they still have some consistency problems, but I, I don't think maybe the coverage as bare as, as maybe some people thought. I'm a little more worried about the defense and particularly the defensive secondary. Uh, and, and granted, I know that you've got a lot of size matchups with what Indiana was throwing at you, but um it seemed like it took them a while to find their footing and yeah, they were, you know, going with a lot of three-step drops and whatnot, but that's one of those things that you would hope that you'd be prepared for considering you've got literally the head coach of Indiana last year on your coaching staff. Uh, So that's, those are some worry areas for me. Uh, You know, and you know, Oklahoma had a really great uh, offensive game last week as well. So that kind of gives you a little bit of worry. So definitely not all giggles and sunshine for me, but, it was so good to see them come out in the second half and really dominate. So that was nice. All right. Let's look at some things individually here. Uh, positives for me, obviously, J.K. Dobbins. You said you weren't as high as his performance. He breaks the Ohio State record for most rushing yards by a first-year player in his first yeah. game. Um, so he took 29 carries to do it, 181 yards. You know the stats by now. Um, I think what most people were – I know what I'm most excited about about Dobbins was the the play. He gets the, the, the ball on kind of a draw play, and he does a jump cut left. Right. And I've I've only seen one other back be able to do that with consistency at a high level. It was Warwick Dunn, and he turned out to be pretty good. Um, it, that's a tough thing to do. That that get into a hole, jump jump cut out. I mean, it's easy on Madden, but it's really hard to do in real life. And and for him to be able to do that, um, that just I just went wow. That's different. Like that's a different dude. 
Um, I'm with you. I'm not starting a Heisman campaign. And I think when Mike Weber comes back, the two of them are going to be what they're going to be the, the engine that that drives this this Buckeye offense going forward. But you couldn't ask for much more out of a true freshman than what J.K. Dobbins gave you on Thursday night. And he clearly has deserved a seat at the table and he will be a focal point of this offense going forward. Yeah, I mean, my favorite run of his, you know, was like the little mini beast mode thing that he had where he was able to spin out of tackles and he, I think yeah. he broke like two or three. And that was, that was really cool to see. I love that. My only real concern with him, and, and granted, it's so hard to even say this on his first game ever, you know, in college. Uh, but I do think it's possible sometimes for young running backs to get a little too enamored with their elusiveness. You know, they make a couple guys miss and then they feel like they need to make every guy miss. Yeah. And the only thing I'm a little worried about is if he gets in trouble, like the offensive line maybe doesn't give him some holes instead of just trying to get two or three yards. And, and granted, he was he's super elusive and he was really able to get those three or four yards by bouncing around and doing that uh, against the Indiana defense. But you play some faster, better defenses, that's going to destroy you behind the line of scrimmage. And I, I just want to see him hit when there's nothing there, hit the hole anyway, try to make something happen. Uh, and pick up some yardage that way. And that's one thing that I think Ezekiel really, really excelled at. Um, when there wasn't anything there, he would still just be able to push the pile and whatnot. And if Dobbins can prove that he can do that and, and not worry about making half the de- defense miss so he can pick up 20 yards, uh, I think he's going to be really good. You just have to know when to pick your spots and to be that otherworldly athlete and then also to be that battering ram. Um, so your standard is Zeke Elliott? <laughs> Just yeah. so we're clear. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. He's got to be the greatest, <laughs> the best uh, player in the NFL the last, last year. Is your, is your, your state history? That's my standard. It's, it's your standard. <laughs> no, I, I, game. I know where you're coming from. I think a lot of that's going to going to change. That's an adjustment from high school to college, right? Where right. in high no. school you can just make everybody miss, and in college you can't. So, and Bo, I, you know why? I, I think you know that will I change. That? You know yeah. why I say that? Because I went to college. I, my formative college years at Ohio State was with Lydell Ross, who would just dance. <laughs> behind the offensive line looking for something and then take a two-yard loss like every yeah. single game so i buddy, just i get freaked out when i see anything yeah. resembling that. <laughs> buddy he ain't lydell ross no he's not no he's much better um a couple other things that i wanted to address as we got a couple more minutes here in the in the opening segment talking about the indiana game um okay you you mentioned the secondary yeah it took a while to adjust at, at halftime they did and it kind of shut it down in the second half i mean they made big adjustments at halftime they went from primarily man to primarily zone in the second right. half they which provided help over the top um and then all of a sudden lego couldn't make those throws that he was making which was he basically threw the same route all day it was just a you know it was just a fade route over and over to six foot four receivers he just did it over and over again and it took a half time for ohio state to adjust i agree with you that needs to come quicker against better teams or you're in a lot of trouble um so so that's something that they'll have to get fixed i thought the most important thing that happened in this game was the two plays in the second half for Johnny Dixon and Paris Campbell. Those two kids getting in the end zone, they have talent, but they don't have experience and they don't have a lot of confidence on the football field. Both of them have had the dropsies in the, at various times in their careers. And I thought for both of those guys to get a, to catch a ball short, turn and go and score, in Paris's case, just keep on running, make the corner and go score. To me, those are confidence-building plays. Um, still a big problem on the Paris drop. Can't have it. I mean, you can't drop a 50 yard touchdown. You can't do it. Ohio state from my recollection did not complete a pass over 15 yards in this game. That's a problem too. The Indiana coach coming out afterwards and saying, this was our plan was to drop eight. We don't think their quarterback's accurate. 
Allen said this. We don't think their quarterback was accurate, and that was the plan, and they did it. So they gave him everything underneath. They said, we dare you to make the throws, and and Ohio State didn't make them pay enough deep down the field, and that will come back to haunt you when you play better teams. If I'm to look at one thing for this offense, I look at this team, I think the second series stuff will come along. Look, we're one game into this, but I think if you want to think about what the Ohio State football team can be in 2017, it starts and end with and ends with can Ohio State pass the ball good enough at, to win a championship down the field? Because otherwise, as good as Weber and Dobbins are, you're going to see nine man fronts and you're going to be running into guys left and right, just like Zeke did and just like Weber did a year ago. So somebody has got to make a play down the field. And and we we I think there were flashes of that in the second half that lead you to believe that maybe it will be something that comes. Yeah, I, I think I mean, I agree with you. And in you know, they're absolutely right with regards to JT. I mean, he's not accurate beyond 20 yards. He just isn't. Like, he's he's extremely accurate within 20 yeah. yards and then just completely falls off a cliff. And part of that, you know, is wide receivers not really getting a lot of separation and making drops and things like that. Um, but he's just – that's just not his game. And, you know, if, if a team can sniff that out and really take advantage of it and even go man, right, and then just say, all right, well, screw it. We're going to let our linebackers and everybody else deal with the running game and then – you know, allow our secondary to kind of just eat up everything else, then that's that's a problem. You got to figure out how to solve that. I think the speed that you saw from Paris that, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you can't figure out a way to utilize that. I mean, just, He's got to catch the ball. Well, right. But just, you know, like you know? a go route, just like, that dude. But he's got to, he ran like, a go route and he couldn't catch it. I mean, we, right. he's got to so catch the get ball. That, but you get that and you can make that yeah. into a weapon. Like that's available. Yeah. You know, and I think that was the big worry that that wouldn't be something that we would, you know, Ohio State would even be able to to display. So the fact that that's at least there as an option is something that you're going to have to exploit against teams like Oklahoma coming up next week. Yes. And, you know, I mean, they have, you know, one of their starting cornerbacks is out. I, I think you just have to to prove something in that game. And uh, I think you saw a little bit of it. I think I think maybe they were going a little more to vanilla than they normally would. I think you're going to see a lot more tight end action maybe against Oklahoma. Uh, but you know that's famous last word. So who knows? <laughs> well, and Urban even said post game, and and I think some of this, is, or he said it in his Monday press conference. He said, "Look, a lot of times people want to blame the quarterback when guys aren't open. A lot, some of that's on the receivers." And and I would yeah. turn that around to Urban and say that's on both. Because yeah. John, JT, and I tweeted this during the game in, in words that I wouldn't repeat here, but were tricky enough with enough wordplay that I got away with it. JT <laughs> Barrett is, is a guy in a foursome on the, on the, on the first tee who, who waggles his club for 35 seconds, who's a 17 <laughs> handicap. Okay, that's who he is. Like right. he will not just go up there and grip it and rip it. And sometimes at quarterback, you need to throw guys open. And he yeah. will not do it, Johnny. He will not right. throw guys open. He will hold you the ball that. and hold the ball. He will wait till they break, and then he will throw it. He, and I think it. I think it's what's happened over the last couple of years is just not having confidence in receivers because who he was as a redshirt freshman was a grip it and rip it kid. He was never right. a deep down the field guy, but he trusted Devin and Evan and Jalen. He trusted those guys, so he threw them open. And these he hasn't thrown anybody open in two years. Like he just won't yeah. do it. And so he gotta, he he will waggle. Yeah, he's a quarterback waggler. You know, you got to have your inner sexy Rexy out and just say, screw it, I'm going for it. And just, yeah. So, yeah. That's and he, be, so that that's has to get better. See how he does that. Yeah. Yeah. And in the, you know, in the meantime, we talk about these things, but these are the standards. I teased you about, you know, the Ezekiel Elliott standard. The, you know, Barrett ends up going 300 yards, three touchdowns, 60 right. yards on the ground, another touchdown. Ohio State scores nearly 50 points. They cover the spread. 
and they go over and they improve to one and oh. The thing is, though, is the standard here is so high and what we expect is so much that even you still and that's part that's what expectations do, right? Expectations right. drive a standard. And the expectation here is to win a national title. So that's how we're going to judge this team going forward. All right, coming up later, we will get you set for the Oklahoma game. Coming up next, we are joined by a very special guest. So stay tuned for that. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Safe Flight Auto Glass and an experience I had with the company, okay? I am driving home. This is last end of last winter, so probably February, March, and a giant rock chips into my windshield. Um, it immediately... Uh, splinters and runs amok, right? It's like when somebody in Game of Thrones steps on the ice and it just cracked like <laughs> crazy. That's what happened to my to my windshield. So it goes like crazy. And this is this is amazing. I in my head, I heard the jingle. Safe flight replayer, safe flight replace. Like it's in my head. So I go, I call my insurance company and he goes, Yeah, we can do that. And and let me let us set it up. So within 24 hours, two safe flight technicians come to my house. They call me. They say, when would be a convenient time for you to do this? I said, early mornings are fine. I don't go to work until middle of the afternoon or middle, midday. So come in the early morning. They were at my house first thing in the morning, I think before 8 a.m. They were at my house. They had the old windshield out and the new windshield in in a little more than an hour. That's fantastic. And, and that was it. In and out, done. That's, and, and folks, that's the type of service that you will get with Safe Flight, if you have a damaged windshield, the exact same service I did. It was that's what their company's built on. It's a Columbus-based company that does things right. We are thrilled to have them as a sponsor. But I'm telling you, I had this experience with them long before they were ever involved with Eleven Warriors of the Dubcast. I could not recommend Safe Flight Auto Glass high enough. Well, I had said that we would have a very special guest, and I don't lie to you, people. We have Gary Conley, former Buckeye, outstanding cornerback for the Bucks and Maslin, and now a rookie. With the Oakland Raiders, a first-round draft pick playing on one of the most exciting NFL teams that there is, Gary. And let's start there. And, and you're, you're a young dude, but I'm older, so I get the I get the advantage of perspective here. And I think about playing for Massillon, Ohio State, yeah. and the Oakland Raiders. Like you can't draw it up a whole yeah. lot better than that, buddy. Like, if, if, is it sunk <laughs> in? What's happened to you over the last five years? Uh, I mean, it has a little bit, but not fully yet. I mean, it's just. It's surreal. So at some point, uh, three tradition-rich programs coming from Maslin, Tigertown football, all about football, going to Ohio State, one of the well, the most tradition-rich program in college football, and then a historical tradition at the Raiders. It's just like it's a blessing to be able to say I played for all three of those teams. Now, Gary, and I don't know. I, I, I cannot think of a uniform that's cooler than the silver and black. I mean, I can't. I, I think it's the most perfect home uniform in the history of sports. Um, it, yeah, when you definitely. when that thing's issued to you, and you see that silver and black, and you hear the Raiders and all that stuff, like that, ha- there has to be a moment when you say, "My goodness, I have I have hit the lottery. This can't get much cooler." Yeah, I definitely will. I mean, once I get to play for real, I know it's going to be like one of the best feelings of my life, and just to be a part of the Raider Nation is an honor. So one of the things that I think like really kind of, you know, we've talked to people who've gone in the NFL and whatnot, and we kind of ask about the transition from college to the NFL and all the other things that go on. But like with the experience that you're having right now, what was something that like maybe surprised you the most that you maybe were like, you know, I didn't realize that this is going to be so intense or so like, you know, magnified. 
Uh, I mean, from my standpoint, honestly, there isn't like a lot different because Coach Meyer and Coach Mick, just like Ohio State, they prepare you like how the league prepares you. So like, like playing special teams, like at Ohio State, you gotta play special teams to start on offensive defense. Like that's how it is in the NFL. Like meetings, you got like meetings all day and all this stuff. So it's like kind of the same. But like one thing that probably shocked me is just like how much uh like it is how much competition there is because now it's not only that you're competing for a job, like you're competing for your family and you're competing for like yourself and your lifestyle. So it's like it's another step up of competition level. So that's one thing that stood out to me. Well, it's a job, right? I mean there are people that are yeah, that are that are job. out there fighting yeah. to put food on the table. Right. So it's it's way more competition is way it's harder in that aspect. Can you talk about the expectations of uh boy, everywhere you've been has been boy at Maslin, you better win at Maslin or you're not gonna last long if you're the head coach. You better win at Ohio State, right. same thing. And then you go to a Raiders team that they have they have it it more than appears, it is evident that they have turned the corner. And you're talking about Carr at cornerback and Mac. I mean, you have the best, one of the best young quarterbacks and the best young defensive player in the league on your team. Um, what what was it like, you know, being going into a team that that is so established and so on the way up the way that the Raiders are? Uh, like I said, it's just a blessing. Like God put me here for a reason, and uh, like I said, I'm honored to be a part of the Raider Nation and to be a part of this team and to be able to play with guys like Derek Carr and Khalil Mack. Like, and I talk to both of them. I learn stuff from Derek Carr all the time. And I'm just ready to go out there and play for him and play for my teammates. So, you know, one of the things, we, you know, obviously this is an Ohio State uh, podcast. And we've been talking about uh, the opener for, you know, the Buckeyes against Indiana. Uh, one of the big, big areas of, uh, you know, interest, I guess, on the team is definitely defensive back. Can you talk a little bit about how they prepare some of these guys to come in and, and step up when there's so much like turnover in the secondary. Uh, how, how can you really coach up a guy to just immediately get started on his college career, his college football career um, and a really high profile position like that and a really difficult position to play when you've got so many guys coming in and out? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just how coach Meyer and all the coaches there, coach Mick, like all the position coaches, that's what they train you from day one when you step on campus. Like they tell you, you always got to be ready. You always got to prepare for if your number's called because you never know what could happen. Like, yeah, you come in and guys are starting and you may feel like you're not going to play and somebody like gets hurt or somebody has to come out or something. You got to go in and prepare that way. So I feel like the preparation and the standard they hold you to as not only if you're a starter, if you're a backup or a third string at Ohio State, you got to practice and prepare like you're a starter. But I feel like that's what happened to me when I came in. I just started right away and did good because I was already prepared and doing it. And I feel like the secondary now is prepared and doing it too. Uh, they uh, always, like, competed hard, like Denzel and Arnett, like, and I know they have good heads on their shoulders on and off the field. And I know they're going to do really well this season. Gary, and you guys had a hell of a game against Baker Mayfield a year ago. A couple of two pick sixes in the game. Defense changed, you know, the, the complexity of that game entirely with, with the turnovers and what you were able to do for him. They're going to get a big test on Saturday night. What are some of the things that you guys did a year ago that you think will carry over or will they carry over to Saturday night? Mayfield's obviously motivated and he's a heck of a player. 
Yeah, he's definitely a really good player. And uh, I just feel like when we play a team like that, it's all about what we do because, uh, like, teams like that, they're good as well. So you have to outwork them. And it's all about who works the hardest, who's the toughest at that game and at that moment. And I feel like that's what happened last year. We felt like we were tougher and we felt like we were a better defense than the other defense. And we competed against their defense and tried to outwork them. And I feel like that's what showed. And uh, I feel like they're going to do that again this year, obviously. I'm always pulling for them. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually thinking about that. I'm glad you kind of mentioned that because I always wonder how players – I mean, obviously for fans, we love this, that you have these really – huge games at the beginning of the season but how do players react to that is is that seen as like a really great opportunity or you know would it be better to kind of make sure that you get your footing underneath you a little bit before you take on teams like Oklahoma you saying like as if I'm playing against them yeah yeah is it is it better try to build to that or you know do players get as excited as, as fans do for those early season games oh yeah they definitely I mean I know personally that I do like because you get to go up against like the best of the best, like you're going up against a top team, top players. Like last year, D.D. Westbrook was like a top receiver in college. Like just knowing I'm going up against top players in a top program, uh, it just makes it more, I feel like it makes me more motivated to want to do even more and show that I can be, compete with the best and be better than other people that are up there. Gary, I'm just doing the math, and I'm, you know, two years ago, three Ohio State, you guys had to replace three guys in the secondary who all went to the NFL, and then you guys had three first-round picks, right, in the secondary a year ago, and and they got to try to make sure that there's no drop-off. Can you take me in the the defensive, the secondary room? How competitive that is? I mean, I, my gosh, I I don't know that they've ever. I mean, Ohio State's had a had a lot of great secondary players, and in the '90s, they had a string of of guys. But nothing like this. Not three first rounders after losing three guys who all played in the NFL. What what type of competition was it in that room when you were there? Yeah, like I said, it was a lot of competition. Like, you always battle for your spot. Honestly, you battle every week. Like you're only a starter for that game. Like you could lose your spot. Honestly, if you're not doing well, or if you're not doing what you need to do to get the team to win, because it's all about the team at the end of the day at Ohio State. That's what I love about Ohio State because it's all about the team. It's not about one specific person. But just that competition in there, like you got people like Malik, you got people like Damon Webb, Denzel Ward, Marshawn, Damon Arnett, and there's a lot of other guys too. Like we're all battling and we're not pulling against each other. Like we're fighting to make sure the team is good. So we're all giving our best effort. Nobody's like blaming or nobody's like, pointing fingers at anybody or trying to make sure somebody's like down. We all try to make sure each other at our best because we know like if somebody goes down, the other person has to be ready too. So I feel like it's just knowing how to put the fact that you're competing against that dude, but you also are playing with him and competing with him. Gary, great things- stuff. Competition, competition, competition. That's it, right? I mean, that's that's the thing. I, I wanted to mention, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know we're running out of time on you here. I wanted to mention uh, Conley Island. So you have a site where where people can get some cool swag and and some cool merch. Why don't you? Why don't you? How did it get started, and, yeah. and what can people get there? Uh, it actually started from just people saying Conley Island because like <laughs> I was doing well on the football field at Ohio State, and I just seen people hashtagging Conley Island, Conley Island. So <laughs> me and my uh, my mom and uh, I have like uh, 
my marketing partner, we just like we felt like we could take that to another level. And then like it just popped up and like I just wanted to do something like with sports apparel or just have my own brand and just have something outside of me that I can market myself and help uh like get myself out there other than football, you know. Yeah. And then made a site and I got apparel. Hopefully, I'm gonna get some more to start it back up again. But uh, yeah, that's it. Is there um, you know, when I I I and I didn't sign a contract like you did, but when I signed my first television contract, I may have gotten a German car. It was like just a frivolous fun thing. The first thing I did. What, what <laughs> was what was like what what was like the first fun uh kind of thing that you did when you, when when you signed your contract? Uh, I didn't do nothing. I still haven't done nothing yet. Really? You you uh, haven't? No, no like big purchases? Yeah, no, I haven't purchased that. The biggest thing I purchased. You're smarter than me. But uh, a flight. <laughs> That's a flight. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> Good, because cars lose. <laughs> don't ever buy cars. They lose their value as soon as you drive them off the lot. They're yeah, the only thing you drive them off the lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't bought anything yet. So I don't know yet. Right, I don't got that feeling yet. Good for you. Well, we appreciate you taking the time, my man, and good luck this season with the Raiders, and we'll be pulling for you. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. We thank Gary and Connolly for joining us. We also want to remind you to be to visit the 11 Warriors Dry Goods shop. We have shirts, hats, stickers, and more at drygoods.11warriors.com. Is the new swag out? We're, I, we're getting there. I think we're within a couple days, and it should be out pretty soon here because we just had a, a, a board meeting uh, last night, so or what days yeah last night so it, it should be coming out together. pretty soon very good so look forward to that at drygoods.11warriors.com all right buddy let's go around the country and we always the way that i th- there was a lot going on and what what jumps out to me in the first weekend of college football is a pretty good weekend for the big 10 and i am one of the guys and let's start with michigan i'm one of the guys who roots for michigan i wanted him to beat florida's butt i know you didn't and i saw a lot of people didn't uh but i'm rooting for him and so no, i wanted him to win i just i but just you, all, you guys you guys will take them when they right, do i know i know yeah, yeah, but I, I really, I'm like actively rooting for them to beat Florida's butt. Like I'm, sure. I think Florida, I, I would love, I love that they smoked them. They threw right. two pick sixes and still cover. They would have won like 41 to three if not for the two pick sixes for Spate. I don't think Florida is very good, but what I do think, but I also think that Michigan with Harbaugh has recruited at a very high level, and they've got some kids who can fly around defensively. They were just physically better than Florida. I mean, yeah. it was shocking to see the difference. It looked like apples and oranges. That, yeah, that I will 100% agree with you. I, I'm not super impressed with this win just because of how many people Florida was missing. I mean, your defense yeah. can look really good when the best, you know, rusher and receiver from last year for the team is gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're absolutely right about the athleticism, especially on defense. Michigan really, really does have an incredibly athletic, fast, tough defense. And that's not something, I mean, even in past years when Michigan had really good defenses, it was like in the old, like kind of Jim Trestle mold where they're really mm-hmm. tough and stout, but they're not exactly fast. They're not going to make a lot of you know crazy plays, but Michigan has a very, very fast modern type of defense. And that's going to be the bread and butter. Cause I don't know that Spade, I mean, Spade is fine. Uh, he's not the very, very accurate thrower that uh, Harbaugh claimed him to be after the game, but yeah. he's good. And 
he'll probably be good enough for the team as long as their defense, you know, keeps doing what they do. So they'll probably be one of the top five defenses in the country this year. And it, you know, they, they deserve that. They earned that. So I don't know what it's going to look like at the end of the season, but they definitely looked impressive against Florida. And that's, again, well, I'm not be- super high on the win, but it's, it's right. a good, it's, it's a, a good, good win for the Big Ten, and they'll get. They're yes. gonna. The thing about them to remember is they're young, so they're gonna be better as the season goes along. I'm a little Six surprised. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> they're gonna be really good by the time Ohio State goes to Ann Arbor in the end of November. They'll be real good. I'm, I am a little surprised that Harbaugh. This what is is this year three? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, year three for Harbaugh. They run together for me, but year three for Harbaugh. I'm surprised that he still hitched his wagon to Wilton Spate. I'm a little surprised that he hasn't recruited it up a little bit better that there was somebody who could usurp him because Spade is very limited. I mean, he's very limited. Yeah. So I'm surprised that they don't have a better option at quarterback for all the quarterback whisperer stuff you get with Harbaugh and his ability to recruit in terms of pro style. You think that there would be a steady diet of, you know, six, three, six, four kids from the West coast coming to Michigan to play quarterback. And maybe McCaffrey is that who knows, but like the fact that he's still hitching his wagon to Spade's a little bit of a surprise. Um, if, if there was, I think the heart, I think it's impressive to beat Florida. That's great. But I think one thing that's that really impressed me was the way that Penn State annihilated Akron. Now they should annihilate Akron, right? That's part of the deal. But mm. a lot of the times these games can be have been sluggish for Penn State the past decade, where they've allowed these teams to stick around into the second half. And that was not the case. Saquon Barkley <laughs> looks like a Heisman candidate. Gasecki is just beastly. Um, they've got McSorley. They've got everything that you need. I, I was really impressed with the way Penn State jumped on the gas pedal uh, right away and dominated that football game. And you know what? Not only that, but if you look at the box score for that game, they weren't running any of their dudes into the ground. It wasn't this thing mm-hmm. where, like, okay, we got to have everybody just contribute so it can really look good. I mean, like Barkley had, I think, like maybe 15, 18 carries, something like that. Some, oh, yeah, low number. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't getting worked. I mean, all mm-hmm. the other guys were just kind of like contributing. Oh, top to bottom, they looked really, really good offensively. And for a team to be that like on it from the very beginning, yeah. I think is a, a good sign for that team. Um, they they are in. I think they just got ranked fourth, I believe. In the yeah, AP that came out. they so look. That's, good. They're totally deserving of that. That's they look really impressive, really early. Yeah, I you you and I have watched enough Big Ten football that and see them slog through these MAC teams in, yes, in September yeah. and late August to know right. that it's nice when they don't if you're if you're observing. So that was impressive. I think I think the most shocking one was Maryland beating the Fighting Tom Hermans of Texas. Um, <laughs> look, you can lose your opener at Texas if you're Herman. I think there's a pretty long leash on him. Obviously, they sure. view him as the golden boy, and he's basically copied Urban's program. I mean, he's done everything from the black stripes and everything. He's basically, I mean, if Urban wanted to sue him from copyright infringement, he could because he basically took Urban's Ohio State program and he's applying it to Texas with him as the ringleader. Um, but he gave up 50 at home to Maryland. Not Oklahoma, not Alabama, not USC, Maryland. Now, right. Maryland's improved. Maryland, unfortunately, had a bunch of injuries today. Um, mm-hmm. But Maryland's an improved team. Okay, fine. And and I saw Tommy post game saying, you know, we couldn't fix this thing in nine months. Well, no, you couldn't, but you shouldn't have given up 50 at home either because Charlie didn't. Charlie was not the greatest recruiter, but he had top 20 classes at Texas, and that's something Maryland's never had. And defense, a lot of it's effort. I mean, they've got players at Texas, a lot of it's effort and scheme to give up 50 to Maryland was shocking to me. Yeah, no, I at home against Maryland, that's that's not going to make anybody want to fire him after one game. But I, I just 
I don't really know what Texas does with their personnel. Like it, just watching that game, it just seemed weird that Maryland had an answer every single time yeah. they needed to get one. And look, I like, I think DJ Durkin honestly can coach. I think that dude is going to yeah. be really, really good. And I think he's going to make Maryland a whole hell of a lot better. But I was, that was the most shocking part of the game to me. Not necessarily that Maryland was hanging with them a little bit, but the fact that every single punch that uh, Texas threw, they had a counter punch and was able to get back into it. Cause I thought, I thought they're going to lose it in the fourth quarter. I, I thought this is over. Okay. They played a really good game. Texas is going to assert themselves a little bit. And that didn't happen. You know, Maryland just kept coming back. And that was really surprising to me. And good for Maryland. I mean, to show that kind of resiliency on the road at Texas. I mean, that's oh, yeah. that's a really good performance for them. Um, probably in my mind. I mean, that's that's got to be the best, you know, Big Ten performance, I think, of the weekend. So Yeah, this is a good weekend for the Big Ten. And I've yeah. been saying it. It deserves repeating. The Big Ten East is the best, the best conference division in all of football. I mean, Michigan's good. Penn State's really good. Ohio State's really good. Maryland might be better than we thought. Michigan State's going to come along as the season goes along. This week, as we finish with the Michigan Minute, this is an interesting one. Do you know who Michigan plays? Yeah, they got Cincinnati. They got Luke Fickle <laughs> trying to redeem himself for the one time that Ohio right. State's lost in like the past 13 years or so. Yeah, Michigan. I have a great story about that, um, that the certain, the certain former head coach at Ohio State called uh, – fickle that day and said or in the week before the Michigan game that was a tough week I mean that was Urban was getting hired Fick was you know up until right. that point coaching for that was crazy but or, that that a, a certain coach with a sweater vest called Fick and said if you don't let Braxton Miller loose I'm never talking to you again <laughs> <laughs> he, he did let Braxton Miller loose and they dang near beat him um yeah. but they did not of course Fick is a I thought I looked today he was a 36 and a half point underdog to Michigan <laughs> I, I know, and they struggled with like Austin P at home at Cincinnati, and and maybe Tommy Tuberville drove that program further down into the ground than I realized. I have a hard time thinking that Luke Fickle and a defense that he's overseeing is going to lose by five touchdowns to Michigan. Yeah, yeah I especially. I mean, if you, you know? if you look at Michigan's offensive, like there, I think that'll be able to bottle up Michigan's rushing game. I think they'll be able to do something with that, but it, they just don't have the athletes. I mean, Michigan no, overall gonna lose. bottom. Yeah, yeah, certainly they're going to lose, but they're, I mean, I don't think they'll make nice right? Yeah, I think they'll make it respectable. I think it'll yeah. be a decently close game until maybe the second half, and then they can Michigan will just you know do some things. But uh, I'm excited. I'm actually that. like I'm actually really excited to watch that game purely yeah. because of Luke Fickle. So I, that'll be fun for me. I think that'll be cool. I'm curious, and I heard he called him Michigan, and he, you know, all that stuff. So good for him for doing that. And right. um, and but I, I, I just can't imagine what's going on in his in his mind this week. You know, playing Michigan <laughs> yeah. in the second game at Cincinnati. I know, for the long for the, man. For the like, 20... I would be losing my mind if I were him. <laughs> oh yeah, for like the for the majority of the almost twenty years, whatever he was on the an Ohio State coaching staff, Ohio State had the demonstratively better team. Right. I mean, there weren't many instances where Michigan had the better team and and he won so many of those games that that now to go into there with to just to have the inferior team to be a gigantic underdog it's got to be a weird spot for him but I'm with you I can't wait to watch I think I think what is set the table has been set 
Penn State plays Pitt this week, too, will be interesting. Max Brown, the USC transfer, is has transferred to Pitt, and, and so Pitt gets a, a chance to knock off Penn State. So both Michigan – Michigan won't be challenged, I don't think, by Cincinnati, but Penn State could be a little bit by Pitt. So I'll, I'll be interested in those two games. And, I, and we'll watch these teams – all season long because they are the threats, right? Michigan right. And, and Penn State are the threats to Ohio State because of uh, talent in Penn State's case and experience and everything coming together in Penn State's and in you know, Michigan's case because where they are on the schedule, that they will be at their best, I do believe, in late November. So that game will get a little bit scary. Coming up next, we've got our own big game to discuss. It is Oklahoma week, people. Lots to get to there. We'll get to our three things that we will have our eye on. We will do that next. But before we do that, we want to remind you to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate us. Please rate us high. We would appreciate that. Also, please subscribe <laughs> on iTunes because then we can make even more money off it. Well, now we don't make any, but I mean, we'd like to make more. So that'd be nice <laughs> if you subscribe because then we can do that. And that would be nice of you, and we would appreciate it. All right, my friend. Look, there aren't many teams, programs, who – line up opposite Ohio State and you look at their resume and you look at their history and you say, they're as good as we are, maybe better. I mean, there aren't many, right? I mean, it's like Michigan, Alabama, in terms of greater than or equal to Michigan, Alabama, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, USC, Nebraska-ish, but Oklahoma (laughs) is one of them. Oklahoma, for damn sure, is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you, when, when the crimson and cream comes to town and like last year, when, when we went down there and then this year they're coming here, if, if, if I, I'm, I may try to get down there for the game. And if I do, there will be a part of me, the the part of me that, that feels and believes that college football is the greatest sport in all of the world that will get chills and will get a little bit of juice when I just see the two helmets and, and it, that there will be a look at this game that will be pretty, pretty special. And it's one that I hope you take full advantage of if you're a fan, because who knows if they'll ever play again. It's been 30 some years since they've played or 40 years since they've played. And so now that it might not might be another 40, you may never see them again. So, so soak this one in on Saturday night. Yeah. I remember when they scheduled this game uh, so many years ago and going like, that's incredible. I, I, I really can't wait till, you know, yeah. 2017 when this comes to fruition. And now that's finally happened. I, I just, you know, you want to see more of it. It's, it's always a really great uh, time when, when two really legendary programs play each other, because like, I, you know, the, the, the philosophy for so much of the BCS era was just kind of hang on to your record and, and hope that, you know, it'll be enough. And I like that this allows people to kind of open up their scheduling a little bit. And I know, obviously, this was planned far before uh, the college football playoff. But uh, hopefully, the fact that you can do this kind of thing early in a season without necessarily having it tank your national championship aspirations will encourage teams to continue to do this and do more of it. Because I love the fact that, I mean, Oklahoma coming in town, that's, that's just incredible. That's what every college football fan kind of dreams of, I think, if you have a good you know team that you support. Yeah. I think if you're Ohio State and you're going to charge what you're going to charge for a ticket, this is a, the minimum requirement is right. that there's one of these games on the schedule every year and at a conference, um, a traditional power. And they've done that. Um, they, they've, they have some good home and aways. They've done some good ones. This is the best one. I don't as USC coming up again. Sometimes I know Texas is in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows if Oregon will have much, but I mean, if, if I were them, I would stick in the, 
the college football blue blood, blood division and, and get your Texas's, your Oklahoma's, your USC's, your Florida State's. Um, those would be the schools that I would try to play. Now, Ohio State has always done to this point, they've always done the home and aways. Um, you see Michigan has taken advantage of the neutral site. Some of the schools in the South, Alabama plays a neutral site game every year. I wonder, I hope they don't do that because I think what makes this special is, is Ohio State going to Norman and Oklahoma coming to Columbus. That is right. what makes this special. Otherwise, it just feels like a bowl game kind of when you just play one, you know, at a random neutral site. So right. I love the home and away aspect of this. Yeah, I didn't I you know, you see all that stuff in the first weekend and everybody's going to a different stadium and whatnot. And you're right, it's just kind of a glorified, you know, bowl game and then Chick-fil-A kickoff, blah blah blah. I just it's not as fun when you don't have the home, you know, crowd like losing their minds and making things difficult for the yeah. away team. So I it's just it's it's definitely you know more special watching it that way. And uh it's fun, you know, it's I'm excited. Like I think it's gonna be a great game. I don't know. Uh, that I'm as confident as maybe I was last year because I was pretty confident last year, but uh, not. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens when you throw for almost 500 yards. Uh, you know, Oklahoma can look pretty good, and, and you still have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So uh, yeah. we can get into that a little bit because, and we will, we will <laughs> do that right now a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's <laughs> let's get to that with our three things for the upcoming game. Um, the first thing for me that jumps out for Ohio State in terms of how you go about as we write a script, we try to do this every week with the three things. We try to write a script for an Ohio State victory. And, and the first thing that jumps out to me is Weber and Dobbins. Uh, I, I think that Ohio State's going to have to score a lot of points to win this football game. I really do. I think yeah. it's going to have to be in the 40s because I think they're going to, I think Oklahoma's going to score some points. So I think it's going to have to be in the 40s. I'm not convinced that the Ohio State. Um, passing game is good enough to do that on their own. So I think that these two kids are going to have to be great. And I think they can be. Um, but I think I'd like to see each with 15 plus carries. I, I think that's kind of where you need to be. And, um, and I think they can get there. And if I think if they do, uh, it spells for a victory for Scarlet and Gray. If Weber and Dobbins both get 15 carries or more, and between the two of them, if that, to me, if they both get 15 carries or more, you're at 250, 300 yards rushing as a team, and then you win the football game. So to me, whatever they, whatever success they have, I don't think they can do it without those two guys having a big game. Well, so I'm of two minds on that. I think I, I absolutely agree with you. If they have, you know, both of these guys are having huge games, and there's no way that oh, I say it loses. I think that's, you know, you can just dominate the trenches that way and get both of those guys your carries. I think you're good. I think what they may focus on though is you know they'll just ride the hot hand so if Dobbins is getting you know seven yards of carry six seven yards of carry I don't know that they're going to swap him out for Weber too much I think they want to kind of go with the guy who's going to get them the you know consistent yards that they want what I you know so my biggest thing um and the, and the thing that I'm really looking for I think out of everything I, I actually pulled up the box score for the UTEP game uh, that mm -hmm. Oklahoma just played and they completed a pass to 14 different receivers, yeah. um, which is, I mean, obviously a lot of that's a result of the second and third stringers coming in. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to have 14 guys in the rotation, but what I do think is interesting is that, uh, you know, you've got four different touchdowns, four different guys. They're looking for new targets. They're rushing game. They're breaking in some new guys. They're, they're losing some of their top, you know, rushers and, and, you know, from last season, I think, a lot of what Ohio State's defense has to do is disrupt any kind of rhythm that Baker Mayfield or anybody else wants to get into. Like Ohio State can do what they got to do, stay in, you know, a pretty consistent like offense scheme, fine. But 
me, like for me personally, I really want to see how the defense is going to disrupt what Oklahoma tries to establish early. Because if they have to start looking for new solutions on the fly, I think that makes them much, much more vulnerable uh, offensively. Because they will get their points, but if it's more difficult for them, if they have to figure things out as it goes, I think that'll give Ohio State a chance to establish a lead and then hold on to it with the rushing game. Well, this piggybacks off of that because my number two is is the word contain. Yeah. And um, it, it, it goes twofold. It goes to the defensive ends at Ohio State because I think it's imperative that you keep Baker Mayfield between the tackles. I think if he gets on the edges and is running and making plays, now he does make turnovers that way, but he also makes enormous plays that way. He's got an incredible ability to scramble and keep his eyes upfield. So you have to contain the edges. You can't let him get outside. You've got to try to keep him bottled up. The other contain aspect is the secondary. And what I mean here is you you have got to stay disciplined if you're in the Ohio State secondary because what these receivers will do is they will break off their initial route and they will reroute on the fly. And that's how they get 80-yard touchdowns. That's how they get them breaking deep. That's the busted plays. Baker Mayfield has a lot of Johnny Manziel in him. He's the most Manziel guy I've seen since Johnny. Um, he's got a lot of that in him. And, and they, a lot of his offense comes from broken plays. You mentioned his efficiency. He was 19 of 20 last week. His backup was 10 of 11. So this was this was practice, what they did last week. They're going to get a step up in competition, clearly. Um, but but you've, you've got to keep this – you've got to keep them contained. On the in, in between the tackles, if you can, with Mayfield, and certainly in the secondary, you cannot get sloppy in coverage because they will break a route and they will cut deep, and then you're done because this kid's got a cannon, and he yeah. will make you pay. He, for as, as small of a dude as he is, he's got a big arm, and, and he will make you pay deep, and he's supremely motivated. And, and the things that scared you last Thursday – could come home to roost on Saturday night. So you've got to stay disciplined and those defensive ends cannot allow Mayfield specifically to break contain. Yeah. And you know what? So that's maybe something we haven't talked about too much uh, so far on this dub cast, which is the performance of the defensive line, which is kind of my second thing. I, I thought they were, they played unbelievably well uh, against Indiana and it's not really their fault that uh, Lego was able to get as many yards as he did through the air. Cause they were in the backfield constantly uh and getting held constantly and it's hilarious to me that there were no holding calls in the entire game uh against (laughs) indiana uh but if they can replicate that performance if they continue to put pressure with just like the defensive line and they don't need to bring in linebackers things like that uh i think they have a really good chance at getting him off his rhythm i you know i'm gonna guess that ohio state will have a better uh you know chance of doing that than utep um so (laughs) <laughs> you know, Nick right. Bosa had an incredible game. A lot of these guys, I think there were like three different guys with sacks against Indiana. Um, that's a big deal for me. If they can replicate that performance against Oklahoma, and granted against tougher competition, I think they have a much better shot at disrupting some of that consistency that Mayfield can bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, that's the strength versus strength matchup. And finally, the third one for me, and this is like, this is cliche, it's coach speak, but it really, it I think it's the whole game because I'm with you. I, I mean, I we haven't done predictions yet, but I think it's going to be close. It's just turnover battle. Are you going right. to have them or are they? Um, you can't have drops at receiver. You can't have balls ricocheting off your hands into Oklahoma defenders' hands. Um, and and if, if Mayfield gives you one, like he did last year to Jerome Baker and Marshawn Lattimore, then the question is, are you good enough to make him pay? Because he'll throw a couple up. 
And when he does, you got to be ready to pounce and, and you got to win that turnover battle. It's cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. When, when two like teams with similar talent meet, it's usually what determines who wins and who doesn't. Last, we year, saw that. Ohio State, last year, Ohio State flipped the game on its head with the turnovers. Right. It changed the whole game. And, and we saw and that last year, night with Tennessee yeah, exactly. Georgia Tech, right? Georgia Tech had that thing buttoned up, but if they don't turn the ball yeah. over twice, yeah. you know, going in, then they, they win that game. They so. win the game. So it's really that simple in games when, when the opponent is, is relatively close in, in talent comparison. Yeah, my last thing just real quick is uh, coaching in general. I mean, you've got a guy who is coaching in literally his second – like this is his second gig as a head coach. Yeah, pretty ever. good guess for Lincoln Riley. Yeah, he's 34 years old, and he's going against Urban Meyer uh, on the road. I, I just – that's going to be really – a really, really, really fascinating matchup between those two guys because I think Lincoln Riley is a really smart dude, and I think he's going to be a really good coach. But he's going up against one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. Uh, on the road, it's going to be, I, I just, I think Urban Meyer is salivating at some of the things that he's going to try to do uh, psychologically and, and scheme-wise to, to Lincoln Riley. So we'll see how that plays out, uh, if he can come in with a really good game plan or if, you know, Urban Meyer's got something up his sleeve to disrupt what he's going to do a little bit. All right, my friend, my friend. and finally, uh, your prediction for the Buckeyes and the Sooners on Saturday night at the Shoe. I'll be honest, I'm going to be negative. Uh, I think I think it's going to be close, but I think Oklahoma pulls one out by about three points. I think it's going to be something like 41-38 um, because I just I don't have the same kind of confidence in the offense as I did maybe last year for whatever reason. I just – I'm worried about what's going to happen late in the game with the secondary. I think they – just the constant passing from Baker Mayfield and how accurate it is is going to kind of wear them down a little bit. And I think they may be able to – contain as you said early in the game but i i almost i see that slipping a little bit in the third and fourth quarter so i'm a little worried about that so i i you know i was thinking a lot about last year's game and how it just spiraled out of control for oklahoma with the turnovers yeah. like the, you know oklahoma kind of was handling business and the start to the game and it just got out of control and they ended up chasing it the rest of the game and could never catch it I, I have a hard time believing that in one year Oklahoma has made up all that talent. Um, you know, they right. don't have Mixon, they don't have Westbrook. I mean, the, the talent difference between the two teams was pretty staggering a year ago. I think they will be supremely, obviously, supremely motivated. Everyone is, but Mayfield's special and he will make plays. The line in this started at nine and a half. It got bet down to seven and a half this afternoon. I don't think Ohio State will cover the seven and a half. Uh, mm -hmm. You had it 42 39, Oklahoma. I, I'll go the other way. 41 or 42 39 or 41 38 Ohio State. I think what we're in for is a special Saturday night. And, yeah. and it's the beauty of this. What's interesting about this is that this very much is a must win if you're going to slip up somewhere in the Big Ten. Because the reason Ohio State got in the playoff last year is because they beat Oklahoma. That's why. Because you lost to Penn State. And if you don't if you don't beat Oklahoma, you're not getting in. Simple as that. They got in because they beat Oklahoma. So in that sense, if you don't want to, if you don't want to have to run the table the rest of the way, then you better beat Oklahoma on Saturday night. So those are the stakes, and I think it, I really think it'll live up to it. I think it'll be a great, great football game on a Saturday night, and I, I, I I'm interested to see if JT Barrett what he's got in in store for it. You know, if he's this is his, you know, it's a big one. There aren't going to be too many quite like this with you know, unless Penn State and Ohio State can both run the table heading into that game, it'll have this feel too. Uh, but this is a big showcase for him on the second Saturday in college football, and we'll see if he's ready for that for that type of challenge. I think it's going to be a great game, and I have Ohio State winning but not covering the seven and a half. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes here, my friend. Do we have any Ask Us Anythings this week? I'm springing this on you. 
<laughs> no, it's fine. We do. And I, okay. I want to get into that a little bit because, I, you know, you got to got to shout out to our, our readers a little bit. Yeah, give, give the people um, what they want. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, we uh, have asked us anything. You guys can write into us. Um, dubcast at 11 warriors.com. And let's, you know what, let's, uh, let's go with, uh, let's go with Alvin here real quick. Let's start with him. Um, he wants to know what's your way too early college football playoff prediction this year. Ohio state, Penn state, Alabama, Oklahoma. Okay. So you got two big 10 teams in the, in the mix of that then. I do. I'm not impressed with it. Really anybody out West. Um, Florida State with the loss of the quarterback. I don't know if they can overcome that. Watch out for Clemson, of course, but um, mm-hmm. nobody else in the Big 12 really showed me. I could see Oklahoma losing this one, winning the ta- running the table, winning the Big 12 and, and getting in, and I could see Ohio State losing to Penn State and that being their only loss, and I could see Penn State's only loss being uh, maybe Michigan. Yeah, I could see that kind of working itself out. So... Uh, I don't think there's nobody that impressive in the SEC to me other than Alabama. So it's early, but, and that's what he asked for, but that's a way too early prediction. Yeah. I, you know, I really wanted to pull for Washington just cause I really like their coach and I'm yeah. a huge fan of USC, but they definitely struggled a little bit in their first game. Um, yeah. I don't, it's, it's interesting how it's going to shake out because it's, it's hard to kind of project and, and see what's going to happen. But obviously with Florida state, I mean, they've got, huge amount of issues that they have to work through now yeah um because it's that's just you know that changes the whole tenor of their season that doesn't mean they can't come back ohio state did and was able to you know resolve that but sure. uh losing their quarterback in the first game is, is really really rough i think alabama's in it I, I think they're really good i don't think they're super super dominant but i think they're really good um i think ohio state's in it and i don't honestly at this point i you know if you had asked me before the first uh before the first weekend i would have put washington and then maybe you know florida state but the way things have shaken out the past week i don't really know who i would put the next two honestly it's hard yeah it is because so much has changed in just one week um so i don't know it'll be interesting to see which teams like kind of step up i mean clemson obviously is the inside track uh, on the acc they look pretty good so uh it's you know i i think they're going to be there but the wild card is always going to be that four spot or, you know, maybe a team that really, really impresses in the Pac-12. Maybe somebody, you know, I don't know maybe Washington rebounds and looks really great. Maybe USC. John, you got to give us the four, bit. buddy. Alvin asked for the way too early. Give us his four. You, we need to hear your four. You did. You know what? All Ohio right, fine. State, so, Alabama. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so I'll tell you what. Clemson, I, I say Clemson, and then I'll put Washington there. I think they'll come back. Huh. I think they'll figure it no out. No one's going to so, hold you to it. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's absolutely. This is a fair. way too early, way too early prediction. So, yeah, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll put Washington in there. I'll, I'll ride or die. There you go. All right, ride or die with the Huskies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and last one here, just real quick. Why was Baker Mayfield not suspended for the first game against UTEP? I can't even remember what he did. Yeah, I don't. Oh, did he get DUI? That, that pretty much says it right there, right? What did he get? A DUI or something? I think it was something like that. Drunken disorderly. Wasn't it something on a cop? Because the reason he didn't is because you don't suspend the star quarterback for Oklahoma. That's yeah. why. Well, it was Unless public you, intoxication. Look, it was simple. In, yeah. Okay. It, I just looked up. It's public Unless, intoxication. This is real simple. It was February. You, they're not. Right. They're not. Gonna, no, come on. What are we talking about here? Look, JT Barrett got a DUI and played that week, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are we talking about? Didn't that happen? Didn't JT Barrett get a DUI and then start Saturday? 
Yeah. Or maybe he didn't start, but he would play. I think they like suspended for a half or something like that. I can't remember. Okay. All right. Look, you're not going to, you don't, because he's the star quarterback at Oklahoma. Like the only yeah. way Baker Mayfield gets suspended is if he, un- sadly, this is true. If he beats a girl, gets taught, caught taking money, academic fraud, or he's Tony Montana and his face is in a bunch of cocaine. Like that's the four <laughs> things that would get Baker Mayfield suspended. Other yeah. than that, he's not getting suspended for anything. Yeah, especially not something that happened in February. That's that's no. not. I'm not. Yeah. So I mean, it would have been nice. It would have been nice to have him like coming cold. But I think the. No, know. I don't want that. I want him. I want him at their best. Right. No, yeah. I agree. I want him at their best. Yeah. I think so, you got to. So that's ask us anything for this week. Again, please send in those questions. Dubcast at elevenwarriors.com. All right, buddy. We want to thank Gary and Connolly for his time and enjoy enjoy it because after this, it gets a little rough. You know, you got Army and UNLV and Rutgers and Maryland. Like, this this is a bad stretch. So enjoy this Oklahoma one on a Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week.